Welcome to Tea Time with Monica. Are you ready to spill some tea? loves and welcome to tea time with monica today we are going to be discussing the savage x the savage fancy lingerie line the new fashion show and just lingerie in general with cora harrington the lingerie addict cora is the founder and editor-in-chief of the lingerie addict this is the world's largest lingerie blog and one of the few fashion blogs dedicated exclusively to intimate apparel the Lingerie Addict is founded on the idea that lingerie is fashion too, and that it deserves just as much attention, discussion, and critique as the mainstream fashion and beauty industries. It is also founded on the idea that lingerie is for everybody, no matter their size, race, sexuality, age, ability, or gender. Welcome, Cora. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm very excited about this discussion. So I wanted to start today off with this quote. Sexy isn't a shape, it's an attitude. How do you think this fits in with the Savage X brand? Well, it's very clear that Savage X is trying to offer an alternative idea of sexy to what we've seen for the last from for the last couple of decades from Victoria's Secret. Mm -hmm. um, I think Savage X's presentation of sexy, their definition of sexy, their concept of sexy, aligns much more with today's conversations about mm -hmm. sexiness and what it is and who can have access to it um, than other brands like Victoria's Secret, but also other companies, um, similar kind of similar companies in their space, Frederick's of Hollywood, you know, a lot of other places um, have put forth as mm -hmm. as sexy for the for the last little bit. Um, Savage X's idea of sexy is a lot more inclusive mm -hmm. compared to other lingerie brands. It's a lot more modern. Um, and I think it connects with the customer in a major way that um, unfortunately other lingerie brands have not bothered to do. Yeah, and I saw that a lot in the last two shows that she did, like even the models that she picks just to be on the website or in her shows or on social media are very diverse in so many different ways. So mm -hmm. I, I think that's really a testament to what's going on in society now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about... Um, her bringing in a men's line, having men more in that lingerie space, because we don't see that from a lot of companies. Uh, well, we, from the from the largest underwear companies, so for example, from Hanes Co., um, they have um, both men's and women's products. And so I think if Rihanna is trying to position herself as an everyday brand, as a basics brand, mm -hmm. then it does make sense to bring in menswear because that helps to make her more competitive with those larger lingerie companies, not implying that she's at the same size with those companies because mm -hmm. I, I very seriously doubt um, Savage X is. Um, but if if you wanna have a well-rounded product selection, if you want to appeal to as many people as possible, um, especially if you are pitching your brand as an inclusive brand, then it makes sense to include men's underwear. Uh, it is likely also true that men's underwear is inexpensive to produce compared mm -hmm. to women's underwear. Um, so it's a product that would have a higher profit margin. <clears throat> for your brand um, and for your company. Hmm. You know, I didn't think about it in that sense. It was just like, oh my gosh, men, we have them in the mix. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, no decision from a business context is accidental. And one okay. of the things I like to do, I don't know if this is getting too far off topic from what you wanted to talk about, um, 
Well, one of the things I like to do when we're talking about lingerie is to um, point out or to remind people that it, it is an intimate apparel industry. Mm. Um, it, it is, there is, there's business here and um, every decision that a company makes, including a company like Savage Extenti, there yeah. is going to be a business reason underpinning that. And often, I mean, it is, it is true that business reason can also align with personal ethics. Mm -hmm. um, but there is always going to be um, some kind of other economic reason, almost always kind of underpinning those, uh, those decisions, <laughs> underpinning, fun, <laughs> those, those decisions um, yeah. the, company, the company makes. Yeah. And, and we can see from, from Savage X's, even their first collection, um, which brought in a, which released a range of basics um, simultaneously right. with the more fashion um, oriented pieces that Rihanna and Savage X are very much trying to position this company as one you go to um, for those essentials in addition to those fashion pieces. I have no idea what sells more. Mm -hmm. I know in the regular intimate apparel industry that the basics, the essentials are essentially, gosh, I need to start repeating myself, um, are what bring in the most money. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that's true for Savage X, but the fact that she is kind of focusing on, on that wider range of products, I think at the very least, indicates an intention to be in the space um for the long term yeah that makes sense? it does make sense okay because you know what when i first bought from her uh what from savage x i did buy, buy like you know the lacy bra and the mm -hmm. high waist panties but then i also got into like the loungewear which mm -hmm. okay right now we're in the pandemic everybody wants the cute loungewear still mm -hmm. you know just in case you pop out to the store or you just you know being around the house yeah. with your friends so I did, I did dive into that. And I think you're right about, you know, people do want those everyday basics, but then when you mm -hmm. wanna feel a little bit sexier and have that fashion piece, you mm -hmm. want those go-to places where you're like, I know my size, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I know what this is gonna bring. I know it's comfortable, so I can go mm -hmm. and get from this brand just about everything that I need. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. Like people, don't like to change once they found a brand they like and i think that is especially true when it comes to intimate apparel because i i'm sure you've seen all these conversations about how bras are hard to fit and people mm -hmm. hate bra shopping and they hate the fact that they have to try on like 26 bras and they only find two they like and so generally speaking once people find a style and a company that they get a good bra from they will keep going again and again and again and again once they're sure if their size is in a certain brand they'll just mm -hmm. go back over and over again. Um, and that sounds like what you're doing. You found a company you like, you know how their stuff fits in your size. So why go through that process of discovery with a bunch of other brands again? Right. Now I've been through this process, but just anyone in general that maybe hasn't shopped like Savage X, do you think it would be better for her to someday actually get a storefront or stay online? Because like you said, some people, some women, you know, when it comes to buying bras, that can be a hard decision with, you know, how to get the right fit and having to try on different styles. It's hard to say, especially considering the economic climate we're in now and the uncertainty um, we're seeing. A year ago, I would have said the the next logical step for Savage X is at least one brick and mortar flagship store. Mm -hmm. um, in a place like New York, for example, that would be a, a destination, a destination shop, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, now I am less certain because the thing about an online business is that you don't have overheads like rent, for example. Right. Um, and I, I think if we're going to see a protracted economic downturn, which is what we're likely facing, 
um, then it doesn't make sense now to establish a permanent brick and mortar presence. It would make more sense to keep her current strategy, which is primarily online with Mm -hmm. um, the occasional pop-up shop, which allows people to kind of come in, try things on, see the product in person, but keeps most of the experience online. Um, I think there's also a particular uh, issue with Savage X's business model, which is based on on the Fabletics business model um, as her company is a part um, of kind of their their umbrella company. I think I think the name of the head of the company is Fabletics, um, mm-hmm. and that the the primary um, the primary primary money maker money maker profit profit factor. I, I should think of another way to say that um, is likely not the product itself, but the memberships. Mm. Um, what Savage X Fenty is essentially selling is memberships and the thing you get in exchange for that membership is lingerie. A- anytime you see a membership business model, um, you should assume that the the primary profit for the brand is that membership and that's not necessarily the product. Um, and so I think one of the things Savage X Fenty would also have to figure out if they operate a brick and mortar presence is how to navigate those membership and regular prices. Um, mm-hmm. So like, do you you show different prices in the stores how do you um verify that somebody has a membership to the to the site um that would be i think something they'd have to work out and it's it would be i I think a bit more complicated perhaps Mm -hmm. than other people might realize so that would be i I think a a major in addition to all the the other stuff um another major impediment um to opening a brick and mortar presence because there is such a significant difference between the member prices and what they call Mm -hmm. the regular prices it is a difference because i actually am a member myself Mm -hmm. and i did that because i too love lingerie like you Mm -hmm. and when i saw this i was like oh and they have plus size so this Mm -hmm. is going to be my go-to because you Mm -hmm. know for plus size i mean there are a, a vast number of companies now but to find something that was on the level of Savage X, I really couldn't find it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just for me that I could just be like, like you said, have my go-to for. So mm-hmm. I appreciated having the membership and seeing those um, those VIP boxes. Those are very, mm-hmm. I like those a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that that's what they're, I mean, that's essentially what they're counting on, right? Like they yeah. have that steady, that steady cash infusion, that steady cash flow, and also really dedicated fans who will organically hack the brand up. But like the way you're doing, like you genuinely love the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about it, um, I'm assuming unpaid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are the best kinds of fans, people who, who love your products and will talk about them without you kind of having to give them money to. And so Rihanna herself has so many passionate brand fans. And now as a, as a result, Savage X does as well. Um, and that's, I mean, that's exactly, exactly the goal. So I think their goal has been met. <laughs> so let's get into like the fashion of the, the lingerie that is, mm-hmm. um, that Savage X gives us. What are you thinking about like the different colors, the patterns that, um, that Rihanna chooses to use in those pieces? So my, my general opinion about intimate apparel are kind of about essentially customer perceptions of a brand um, is that it matters less what an expert thinks about mm-hmm. the quality or the colors or the trends they're presenting and matters more what their consumer base thinks. Um, mm-hmm. Because as someone who sees dozens of brands in a given year, who sees kind of big picture trends every season, uh, my perspective on what's trendy is going to be different from someone who doesn't see all that. 
um, because kind of my idea of the intimate apparel industry includes like brands like Wacole and Victoria's Secret and Notori and Hanes, in addition to Savage X. What I think is important about the Savage X conversation is that people perceive the brand as being trendy, as being fashionable. They perceive the brand as having a lot of selection, a lot of colors. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what that's what matters more, I think, Mm -hmm. than than an expert's opinion, because I'm like, I'm not their target customer. I'm somebody who who loves lingerie, who enjoys lingerie, but isn't necessarily committed to a single brand like Savage X. So like, I'm not going to be their target customer. But if their target customer, the people with memberships like you, mm-hmm. think that they're offering everything they want, all the colors and all the styles they want, then that's what matters most. Um, from an industry perspective, we could talk about their products. I have to admit, I am reluctant to offer any criticisms about Savage X because I noticed <laughs> that even the mildest, the mildest comment on the brand, are their profit model, are the products, draws a lot of criticism. Um, from her fan base, which oh. definitely affects the way yeah. people talk about the brand. Um, so, for example, recently I saw a body stocking on Amazon. What was the price of it? Hang on, let me go back up to my other monitor. I have two monitors set up and I always forget how to go up to the second one. There we go. Um, so, recently I saw a body stocking on the site that was $75. Mm-hmm. Um, that looks very similar to body stockings you would get from brands like Leg Avenue. Of course, the membership price is significantly different, but the first thing I, as an industry person, would ask seeing this price versus the member price is essentially, well, what is the real value of that product? Are you purchasing a $75 product with all the expectations around a $75 product? Are you actually purchasing a $20 product Mm. that has been marked up significantly? So as an industry person, those are the things that I would wonder based on kind of the pricing model, what is the actual value? of the garment and of the product that you're buying. Right. Um, but again, what matters most is how people perceive the quality and how people, right. what people think of the quality of the garment that they're buying much more than what someone like me would think, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does make sense. Okay. You, I mean, you think about it, you know, in fashion in general, you know, I think a lot of people think about, oh, am I really just paying for the name or is this mm-hmm. actually quality fabric? Is this going to be something mm-hmm. that's going to be long lasting? Is it going to be comfortable? Because I mean, even though it's luxury, luxury should be comfortable because you shouldn't be hurting or saying that, you know, something is uncomfortable. And especially when it comes to lingerie. Right. And I, I also wouldn't say that Savage X is a luxury brand. Um, they mm-hmm. do not have products except for that body stocking, which was, it's a, it's a very bizarre price to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not say Savage X is offering a luxury product and certainly not offering a product at a luxury price point. Um, so, but it also kind of gets into perceptions. If other people think they are a luxury product, mm-hmm. then is that what matters most? Or is kind of what I think of as a luxury product, is that what matters most? Um, and, and I think that's getting into an interesting thing where for me, the, the best part of Savage X or the thing that matters most about Savage X mm-hmm. is less, I would say, if, like the products of the brand necessarily, like obviously that, that matters because that's what they're selling. Um, but more so that Rihanna has opened up a conversational intimate apparel in a way we've never had before. Um, as someone who's been talking about this industry for the last dozen years, we've seen an explosion in the conversation, an explosion of interest in lingerie mm-hmm. that we hadn't seen before because of Rihanna and because of Savage X. Um, and the net effect of that, if you get more people interested in lingerie, more people talking about lingerie, then maybe they'll be willing to try other brands, other styles, or at the very least, they'll be willing to 
to discuss more about the topic. So as someone who has been interested in this industry for so long, mm -hmm. and I spent so much of my time trying to convince people that they should love it too. Um, <laughs> for me, it's very exciting to suddenly see so many people excited about and interested in and discussing intimate apparel. Um, yeah. And I think, I think that's a really great thing. Yeah, I do. No, it does. It does. Okay. Like, you're making perfect sense. <laughs> okay. It's a, I know it's like, it's like, I'm this interesting person that's really into this. Like, this is my thing. And I don't yeah. know if everybody's going to understand it in my way. I totally get it. But yeah, I, I think you're making a lot of sense because people like once, like you said, more people are talking and having the conversations yes. about lingerie. So as a person who loves lingerie and maybe not as well versed as you are on the industry, it's still interesting to me to see all the yeah. different brands. And I guess what does make Savage X so interesting is that it's so popular. You're seeing it everywhere. Mm -hmm. Rihanna is popular. She's wearing it. She has other mm -hmm. celebrities into it. Like she had a great. Oh, their marketing strategy is it's amazing. It's it is. Fantastic. Yeah. It is the the best marketing one of the best marketing and pr strategies i am seeing in the intimate apparel industry period yeah yeah and i think that you're right because even like with the shows and i you know they are you know people were seeing weren't seeing shows like that um at first you know with victoria's secret but rihanna mm -hmm. And Savage XX took it to another level. And I was mm -hmm. telling one of my friends, I was like, I was telling him, you have to watch this. And he does, mm -hmm. you know, fashion show production and everything. And I said, like, you have to watch this because, you know, this is, I was like, I'm sorry. And I don't want to put Victoria's Secret down, but they could never. I don't think that they could get on that level. The production value right. is, is wild. Like the production value of Savage X shows is just stratospheric. It's off the charts. Yeah, and it's because Rihanna's a performer and then she has all that that type of talent she anyway. She has standards. Yeah, she has standards. Mm -hmm. And I think like with the dancing, the moving, the colors, mm -hmm. and how everything is presented. And then it's not just necessarily one night because you can go on Amazon Prime and watch it more mm -hmm. than mm -hmm. once. And then you see all the different colors, you see all the different people, the celebrities, the models, the shapes, mm -hmm. the sizes, the ethnicities, the sexuality of everyone. And I think that's the real essence of lingerie. Mm -hmm. Do you agree? Yeah, like, I mean, how does it make people feel? Does it make people feel like this is a story they can be a part of? Right. And Savage X does that. You look at her products, you look at Rihanna's products, you look at her, her lingerie line, and you think, yes, this is for me. I can be a part of this too. And right. that's so powerful because so many people have felt excluded from this industry for so long, directly as a result of the way they market their products. Like, not gonna lie, the marketing of the laundry industry, the marketing they use is outdated, it's exclusive, it's not welcoming, it's not friendly. I talk to brands all the time about this. Mm -hmm. um, and Savage X look at the industry because it's so obvious. And they're like, you know what? We don't have to do things that way. We can actually make people feel like they belong here. Um, and it's, it's such a thing that's so obvious. Um, and I, and I also think so easy in a lot of ways. And so mm -hmm. it, it's, I love, I truly do love seeing how many people are passionate about that. And I'm also, it, it's so funny when I'm having industry conversations with other brands um, and they bring up like, oh my God, people are talking about Savage X. And 
you know, they just arrived on the scene and they're not talking about my brand. I don't understand. But how do you not understand? Like, have you seen their marketing? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's everywhere. It's right? so what everywhere. You, what are you confused about? They're doing stuff you're not. Like, it's not, this isn't, like, we're not doing like nuclear physics here. It's really obvious. Um, and it, people were hungry. They are hungry for the story that Savage X is giving them. They are, they are hungry to to feel like they are a part of this world, to feel like lingerie is for them, to feel like they can finally buy beautiful pieces in their mm -hmm. size that are just like what we call poor size or straight size pieces in the industry. Um, that is what people want. And Rihanna is giving people what they want, which is yeah. what you should do when you're selling a product. You give people <laughs> what they want. <laughs> I, yeah, you, you're so right. I think that, um, in my opinion, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think other brands have a lot of catching up to do. Oh my God, absolutely. I, um, I've had a, a few, I mean, the, the trade shows were canceled for this season, of course, because of the coronavirus. Um, but I've, I've done a, a panel on the, I kind of at the online version of this conference. And of course I've talked to a lot of brands on an individual basis. And I cannot tell you how many companies have just been like, well, you know, we're not sure, we don't wanna, our brand identity is blah, blah, blah. You know, we're trying to be French, which in their, from their perspective is white and thin. And I'm like, you're here though. Like, yeah. you have to appeal to customers that are here. Like, we're, this isn't France. Like, you're, <laughs> we're, not, <laughs> we're not afraid. We're not French. You, you have to actually like appeal to people here. And it just so happens that here, we don't want to see just thin white women. Right. Um, and I mean, it's, it's honestly sad. And I mean that not necessarily emotionally sad, but like sad in the pathetic way um, where companies have, have literally had decades. They've had years to, to catch up, to innovate, to be at the forefront of this conversation. Mm -hmm. And instead they're lagging behind for no other reason than their own conservativeness and closed mindedness. And so I don't really feel sympathetic to companies that feel like they're getting left behind because you are getting left behind and it's your own fault. Like, I don't feel sorry for companies like Victoria's Secret, which I know is not a controversial thing to say. Um, but they had, they had the opportunity to be at the forefront of this conversation. They had the opportunity mm -hmm. to be a brand that brought in plus size angels to extend their size range, to, to bring in loungewear. I mean, just do all the things Rihanna's doing. They had the money, they had the market position. Right. Um, they had the presence. And so the fact that they weren't doing it was a deliberate decision. And I, and I feel the same way about other, uh, what I call, um, I don't know, like heritage brands or brands that have been around for a long time. It's like, oh, okay, now you're interested. I don't know if I'm rambling now, but I'm like, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Now no. you're interested. Now you're interested in having plus size models. Now you're interested in having black models. But it took somebody spanking you like as far as marketing and PR to be right. like, oh, okay, well maybe, I guess maybe we should do this. Like it shouldn't, like why? Why did it happen? Like why just now? Yeah. And well, so do you, I don't. Well, do you think ahead. with Victoria's Secret in general, since we we've, we've talked about that, mentioned them yeah. a few times, they were under the limited brand for so long, which was in with like Lane Bryant and Cacique and those brands. Do you think that that kind of attributed to some of the not stepping on their toes of doing like the plus size? Oh, well, um, Limited Brands sold Lane Bryant a long time ago. Hang right. on, I can actually look up that date for you. It's It's been so long that I wouldn't 
than say um, it's that that was a factor anymore. anymore. Hang on. No, um, I'm just going to look up the date because I, I often hear people um, bring that up, but it's been a very, very long time. Right. Uh, two thousand and two. It looks like. Oh, so yeah, they've had enough time. Limited brands sold that off. I just kind of want to verify that I have that date right. Yeah, I think you're Um, right. I just know it's been a it's been quite a long time. Like the year they sold it off, kids born that year are grown people now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They're they're into the lingerie right now. Is that what you're saying? They're they're into the lingerie, and maybe they should have caught up with those kids. Yes. I can't like I can't one hundred percent stand by that year, but I think it it's that year. Yeah. Um, no, now that so this one says sold in twenty twelve, but then I just saw something that said it sold in two thousand two. Anyway, it was a long time ago. It was long ago <laughs> to where they could have <laughs> caught up. <laughs> yes, they've they have been able to catch up, um, and so I somewhere between somewhere in there in that Pacific frame of time, I have to look up the the exact date. Um, they they sold off Lane Bryant, but regardless, they've had the time to innovate. Um, because I mean, there doesn't need to be just one like plus size brand. They could have, no, in some ways, it would make it easier if they had Lane Bryant um, and wanted to make plus sizes because they already had those connections with the factory. Right. Um, so why not use your factories to make things under the Cacique brand for, uh, according to the Cacique style, and then also use those same factories to make plus sizes under the Victoria's Secret brand. In the Victoria's Secret style, so there was even then a way to to do the work and still differentiate differentiate the brands and the product categories, and they mm-hmm. they opted not to. Um, so yeah, it's it's such a I, I mean I I, I want to say that it's such a bizarre decision, but also it's not a bizarre decision because we live in a world that is you know like races and sizes and ages. So it's not bizarre, but also it would have been such an easy win. And I, I think a lot, see now I'm like rambling again. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not rambling because you know, this is this the conversation to have. And I mean, I guess where you're speaking, I guess I'm wondering like with everything going on with diversity, do you think a lot of this has to do with diversity, um, lack of diversity in their executive team? Because when you see the shows yeah. um, from Savage X, she's kind of showing yeah you know the people in on her team and you see that's a that's diverse compared to it's, probably the other executive teams yes i was so i was about to say before i like i interrupted myself is that it it's wild to me that victoria's secret had all that money all that access to mbas all that access to top consultants essentially the hiring power to bring in whoever they want i would have consulted with them and been like you know what you need to do but <laughs> <laughs> had all that money and still refused to do it and I mean I know they had access to the trend reports they had access to everything that I have access to and more um, and they chose to ignore it and, and what I think happened um, when Victoria's Secret started doing their fashion shows and I don't know if you kind of look back at older shows the kind of the beauty aesthetic they brought onto stage that was the current beauty aesthetic you know the long beachy waves and you know mm-hmm. the, the tan skin and all this other stuff um and i think that was it was the aesthetic of the time but i think it was also the aesthetic of the men in charge of the brand les wexner and ed razik right and i think they kept 
thinking that their personal aesthetic was the so sorry the global aesthetic are the aesthetic that everyone should have i don't know if I'm explaining that right essentially the show became a display and exhibit of their own personal beauty preferences mm. as opposed to an expression of what people want to see mm. um the show became uh, a place where they showed or they wanted to show what they thought of as beautiful and it stopped speaking to consumers and what consumers thought of as beautiful mm. um and it's it's just it's so it's so ridiculous and the the wild thing is Victoria's Secret they're starting to bring on larger size models um but now it looks like tokenism and now right. it looks fake now it looks artificial and i mean i still think the brand could potentially turn things around like potentially I, i've said this like for a few years now um but i've also said that like i think last year i made a tweet that was essentially within the next 12 months we're either going to see them turn around and kind of get back or work on getting back towards the public's good graces or we're just going to see them diminish and i mean i, I think it's the latter we're just seeing they them at least in, in terms of public perception, public conversation gets smaller and smaller. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember like Victoria's Secret's heyday when it was a big announcement where there was a new angel, a big announcement where there yeah. was a fantasy bra. Major press. There was a oh, Victoria's Secret me. Angels Across America tour. It was just mm -hmm. all this stuff and the press reported breathlessly on it. And now when they have a new model, people are like, who? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, who are they? What are they doing? Yeah. Um, and, and that's the direct result of their own bad choices. They yeah. made bad decisions right. repeatedly. Well, yeah, I remember at the beginning of the, um, the pandemic and the shutdown and, you know, retail was shutting down and people were, you know, retailers were closing stores and Victoria's mm -hmm. Secret, I think, announced that they were closing stores. People were, were acting shocked. And I was like, well, no, this, I'm not shocked. They were already closing stores prior to the pandemic. The pandemic just probably added more stores to close because mm -hmm. they were going downhill. Because I remember after one of, like, a, was it a few years ago after one of the shows, I believe the VP, um, the executive VP said something to the effect that they would never have a plus size or transgender model on their Yeah, yeah this was like two years ago. Right. Um, and in I was an interview like, with Vogue. Right. Which was so foolish. That is one of the most ridiculous things I have ever seen in the world. Like that is a that is a loved one, somebody who's been in their role for too long. Right. Um, and didn't have the good sense to let the actual PR representative talk, but also someone who was so arrogant and so cocky and so full of themselves mm -hmm. that they got in front of a Vogue reporter and gave them the juiciest quote of all time. Right, um, right. But there were two things that you just said that made me think of, of two other things. Um, one, talking about Victoria's Secret's brick and mortar presence and the fact that they close other stores and other closing stores. I think Victoria's Secret, um, as far as their brick and mortar presence, is also something to keep in mind as we're discussing Savage Extinction, a potential brick and mortar presence because Victoria's Secret's brick and mortar stores have essentially turned into an albatross. Like it's turned into like a stone around their neck while they, where they have all these stores um, and they're, they're paying this, tremen this tremendous kind of um, dollar per square footage rate, but the stores aren't bringing in enough money to pay yeah. the rent essentially. Um, we know that kind of brick and mortar, even before the pandemic, um, people are becoming less enamored with brick and mortar, less enamored kind of with going into a store and buying. We know that people aren't really going to malls anymore. 
um, and Victoria's Secret's brick and mortar presence has become something that is disadvantageous to the brand in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. And and the and the the pandemic has amplified that because now they have all this square footage and all these retail stores, um, and they aren't making any money through them. Right. And so I think that would also be something Savage looks at when they're contemplating establishing a brick and mortar retail presence. It's kind of keeping in mind that like even if your sales go down at a brick and mortar shop, your rent is your rent. Is your rent. Um and, and you can see the example of what happens when a company has all those brick and mortar stores but kind of isn't able to fulfill their obligations. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I was going to say as far as kind of brands turning around is, I don't know if you remember this, but it's going on a decade ago. My my sense of time has never been very good. I'm just kind of like, it's been within the last five years. I was like, in the last 10 years, I have a difficult time pinpointing dates. Mm-hmm. Um, but this has been the last 10 years um, with Aerie. Um, Aerie used to have a totally different kind of marketing perspective, a totally different brand perspective. Aerie actually shut down all their brick and mortar stores. Mm. And they were like, we're going to start from scratch. What we're doing isn't working. Let's just shut it all down and begin again. And when Aerie came back to the public, that's when they started the Aerie Real thing, where they were like, no more Photoshopping models. We're just going to like show regular people on our products. Mm-hmm. And that totally transformed the brand. I don't think most people probably, probably even remember what they were like before that campaign. Um, and that could have been a model Victoria's Secret emulated mm-hmm. as far as how to turn a brand around, where we had an example. Aerie was just like, scrap it all, start from scratch. And now people have positive brand associations with Aerie. Um, but I mean, they chose not to. So those are two things that I had in mind when we were talking about Victoria's Secret as a brand and their brick and mortar presence, but also their brand perception. So we have an example of a company that turned mm-hmm. around their brand perception through a dramatic action, but it was worth it. And then we also have an example, like again, of the same company and what happens when you overextend with brick and mortar presence. Um, and again, kind of fail to keep up with the times. So. Yeah. Now, now I'm listening to you and thinking about the whole brick and mortar presence. I think mm-hmm. about, like when things get better, when we're getting out of the pandemic, if Rihanna put out like new music and when she did her tour, she would do mm-hmm. pop-ups in each place that she yeah. did her tour. I think that would be awesome. I think that would be cool. I also think when, gosh, whenever this pandemic is over, <laughs> people are gonna be ready to leave their houses. Right. So that would actually be a good time, I think, for her to put up some pop-ups. People are gonna want an experience. They're mm-hmm. gonna want a party. They're gonna leave their house. Right. Um, and that would be, I think, a good time for her to, if not if not to offer or not to open like an actual flagship brick and mortar store. So I'm not confident that's a good decision necessarily just yet. I think, I think it would be a good decision eventually, but maybe not right now, um, is to offer a series of pop-up experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say experiences more than stores because people are going to go to a, like a Rihanna pop-up for the experience of shopping like at a Rihanna store. Right. Um, I think that would make a lot of sense for the brand because people, they're just going to want to get out of their house when this yeah. is all done. Can you like get in touch with the brand and let them know our idea so we can get these pop-ups going once the pandemic, like they can already start planning. <laughs> we can get the Savage X lingerie. Maybe we can get some um, Fenty Beauty all in one place and then have the full experience. I, that's a great idea. And she also has Fenty skin. Like I could, yeah. I could very easily see essentially like a Rihanna for Ellen. You guys, if she has new music coming out at the same time, people will lose their minds. That's what I'm saying. Um, like, 
somebody get in touch with Rihanna. Let her know we got <laughs> ideas, baby. I I'm sure they've already thought about all all, all of that. Um, at least I hope they have. Like that's where they get paid, like all that money, right? Right. Um, <laughs> so I I mean I think that would be. I think it just makes sense, and I'm, I'm hoping that they're thinking in that direction because Savage X is is in a beautiful position right now where mm-hmm. the the largest brand in America is steadily diminishing, steadily dwindling. People are hungry for something new and Savage X is able to give them that new thing. I mean, it's it, it's a it's a good position to be in from their perspective. It's good timing. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sure they are looking for ways to exploit that and take advantage of that, such as, for example, having fashion shows. Right. Yeah, I mean, because like I said, I missed going to being a person that goes to fashion shows or events where mm-hmm. I see plus size fashion I was missing out on those type of events and then when it came up Amazon Prime oh we got a new Savage X fashion show I could not wait to see it and I sat there and just like I said the production of it with the dancing the musicians the the mm-hmm. poem at the beginning like giving you that imp- that empowering feeling of like you said i am a part of this story and she mm-hmm. rihanna what she did at the beginning like she talked about like it being about her diary and talked about having a diary and then some of the models did that as well so i totally get your point of i'm a part of this story so i think you were right like giving that perspective about the brand i'm just wondering how many more brands will look at this model and say, I need to find a way to do that in my own way? Or if they're doing it now? I honestly don't know. I mean, I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had with brands about this over the last decade. I honestly could not. Um, Every trade show I've talked about this, um, when I go to brand offices, you know, and we do the whole like coffee new collection thing we talk about this excuse me i need to clear my throat <clears> throat> um and so the thing about the intimate apparel industry i think a lot of people don't realize is that it's a very conservative industry i think people hear the word we might yeah <laughs> but people i think a lot of people are like oh it's sexy it's exciting no lingerie is very conservative they are very reluctant to change i think even more so than other parts of the fashion industry um so I mean, I would hope they look at what's happening and they do more. But I mean, even the steps some brands have made so far have been so minimal. Mm-hmm. And unsurprisingly, it's always in response to what black women are doing. Cause you know, black women, we lead the way. We do. set the trends. We do. And so, you know, we have subjects with Rihanna, a black woman and our brand's like, oh man, maybe, you know, we should, maybe we should do some plus sizes. And then, you know, you had Nubian skin offering those deeper tone nudes and brands like they're oh well you wow black people exist as wild y'all we should offer like brown <laughs> oh we we exist now huh <laughs> what? Um, but it's always when a black woman leads the way and then and then they decide to catch up um because they're like oh well now now we know it's worth doing and and i i really i i mean i hate that to be honest like, I mean, I don't know if that sounds like too strong a word because, you know, you're kind of always encouraged to... No, but I think we're devalued yeah. as as consumers yeah, when we hate buy into a lot of stuff. Like, Black women, we love to shop. We love nice things. 
we love to be feel sexy and empowered and i feel and like when, when we find a brand we like we go back to it right and we tell our friends we, hey girl you got to get on this mm -hmm. so i mm -hmm. i don't know if we're black women if we're valued as a consumer when we consume so much yeah and and what makes what makes i don't know if it makes me sad or it makes me angry or upset probably all of them is that when black women lead the way when we innovate that's when brands decide to swoop in and steal our ideas um yeah. i know we're talking about savage x but i think new being skin is another example i love Ade. um like we met each other way way back mm -hmm. um but brands were totally disinterested in doing new tones for for deeper skin um for darker skin tones it was something mm -hmm. i talked about for years and then nubian standing came out and she started getting press and now brands were like whoa maybe we should and like because these larger brands have a much they have more people they are able to produce more units they have a larger department store presence rather than these department stores and these boutiques picking up companies like nubian skin who mm -hmm. I think makes the best new tones in the industry. Um, as far as like bras and panties, instead of going and picking up those products from her, they decided to go with these brands that have just now jumped on the bandwagon. Mm -hmm. And things like that really bother me because not only is that black women innovate um, and then other companies copy them, is that when black women innovate, even when they're doing what I think are the best products or some of the best products, they don't get that industry support. Um, mm. They don't get that support from other companies. And Rihanna's in a great position. I mean, she's a celebrity. She has all these business connections. She's already gotten some investment. So she's in a good position. Um, I, I just, I wish, I wish other black women had that. Um, and I just, I wish the, I wish it didn't take a Rihanna for the intimate apparel industry to value black women. I guess this may be mm -hmm. one way to say that. Yeah. I don't that makes sense yeah yeah it does yeah it does I, w I wish it didn't take a Rihanna for people no I get what you're saying because it it yeah. shouldn't necessarily have to take a person already on a big a larger stage to make that yeah. impact for people to come and realize that there are black people in these spaces that are making yeah. those products I get exactly what you're saying yeah yeah, yeah. I don't I'm glad people are paying attention now. I'm glad the products are being made. I'm glad brands are finally doing what they should have been doing this whole time. I don't like that it takes a Rihanna or that it takes another brand going viral like a Nubian skin for them to decide to do this. Yeah. And, and earlier I talked about how everything has a business decision. Everything kind of has money underpinning it. Um, but in this case, that decision has racism underpinning it because black women buy things. So, <laughs> we do, we do uh, buy a lot of things. So, I mean, yeah, see now, now I'm thinking about all like the frustrating conversations I've had with brands. I had a meeting with a French brand. This was before the pandemic, either beginning of this year or late last year. I told you I'm so bad with time. Um, and they were so excited to show me like one of their new tones, a, a nude, un, deeper tone nude and it was ashy Ooh. and I was just like talk you I'm a black like you you could hire me and I could tell you that your new tone was because it's I put it oh what do you think I put it on and I was like I look like I dip my titties in chalk like no did she say she dipped my titties in chalk <laughs> I can't see it. My boobs, was, my titties was in chalk, and I cannot. Now you know, black women. The one thing we hate 
is to be ashy. It does not help the melanin when we are ashy. It was, I was like, this, this isn't. Audience, if you could see the facial expression I'm getting right now, (laughs) I'm getting the, mmm. This ain't it. It's not it. It is not it. You (laughs) thought it was it, but it is not. And it's just, just want to be like, do better. You, You can tell when a company has spoken to black women and has had black women involved in their decisions. You can tell based on the products they put out. So we need you to show me your executive team. Is that what you're saying? I need to see your executive (laughs) team. I think that might be your question now when brands come to you and say, let's talk about our new line and everything. And you're like, show me executive team first because I don't need to be disappointed. I don't know what the executive team looks like. I already know what it looks like. (laughs) You already know that. You already know that. I already know. So, I mean, I, I love this industry. I love laundry. You already know that. We've talked before. You know, I met you at my book signing in DC. We both yes. love laundry. I remember that pajama set you were wearing. Like, yes, and Gabby Fresh. So good. Yes. Um, I, I think also just kind of, I know this conversation about Savage X, but I think also in terms of a company that is doing the work, Playful Promises is another example. You know, um, they really- they're run by white women. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like the products they make, connecting with black influencers like Gabby Fresh, working with black models, I think they're also doing amazing, amazing work. Yeah, no, I love, um, you know, I love Playful Promises. I have so <laughs> much of the Gabby Fresh <laughs> line. And like you said, I think- And they're an exception though, but that's, they that's are the an problem. exception. They're but an exception. I've only found like, okay, when I started wearing bras, of course, you know, as a teenager, it was like, ooh, fun, go to Victoria's Secret. Then me being a plus size woman, it was like, so me and these Lane Bryant bras, is friends, you know, going to Lamb Bryant and getting Cacique, which I've interviewed the the ladies behind Cacique. They are great women. I think they do a good service for a lot of plus size women who are looking for different um, styles with maybe underwire, no wire, all that type of stuff with Cacique. Um, and like I said, I love Playful Promises, but like my sister, she's tiny. She's more petite than me, but she's in mm-hmm. an eye. She's an eye cup home. Mm-hmm. She's busty. So it's her when she looks at me and bra she's like oh where can i get that from and she still hasn't tried sevix x because she is very excited to try mm-hmm. some of their bras because she's like oh they have the larger sizes maybe now i too can you know go there because she's so scared mm-hmm. of certain trying a new brand mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah. that's i mean that's a legitimate fear because like the the higher up in sizes you go often your options are limited um, but support becomes even more important with those larger sizes. You go like, you can't just rely on something. If you actually want support something that's flimsy. Right. Um, also, just as an aside, um, an eye cup is a U.S. cup size. Okay. Perhaps if your sister also looks at um, UK sizing, mm-hmm. she may find more options as well. Wow. Um, I think a lot of people in the U.S., they um, because the U.S. does use a different sizing system, they may think there's something not available in their size when there actually is, if they go to a different brand. So like a US iCup is a UK G-Cup. Wow. So if she were to go to a, U- to a UK-based brand, like a Panache or, uh, gosh, what's wrong with my words? Like a Panache <laughs> or a Freya or something like that, mm-hmm. um, she might actually find more options because wow. she's a G-Cup in UK. So just kind of something to keep in mind mm-hmm. as you all are talking about bras. Um, so I think a lot of people don't know that. No, um, that's actually a I, new I was- one for me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, Europe, the EU, US, UK, and also Australia, AU, um, all use different bra sizing systems. Mm. Um, 
and especially if you're bustier, um, you're gonna you're gonna definitely want to be familiar with the UK sizing system because most of the really good pull bus brands. Now that was um, the tea that I United think we Kingdom. needed today because I think <laughs> <laughs> not everybody has that information. I mean, we've dropped a lot of tea, smelled a lot of good hot type of tea on the industry and what's going on. But I think that was the very important tea we needed because. <laughs> I don't know when, you know, when women are sitting around and we're having our wine or whatever, and we're having our talk, we all talk about our bra size. We'll be like, girl, where'd you get that bra? You know, if we see somebody with something and we see the nice support, the lingerie conversation comes in just natural. And it can be, like you said, just about the basic bra, not the fashionable stuff. Yeah. I was also going to ask when we were talking about Playful Promises and Gabby Fresh just a minute ago, did you see that new Willow sleeve bra they have from the Gabby I Fresh collection? I have not. You I should look at that. I think you would really like it. Ooh. Just, like, go to, to their look. website after. Search Just search for Willow. It's like this, it's this really beautiful, like, got it tall bra that has, like, little shoulder, like, little shoulder sleeves on it. Very romantic. I think you might like it. I might have to go look at that right after I, our I conversation. I can see you in it. I can see you in it. Oh, yes. see, this is how I, this is how you know she knows I love the lingerie. She's like, I can already see you in that <laughs> just to have fun. Because to me, the other part of lingerie is a lot of people... I hear, uh, I've heard women say in the past, and I don't know if that's every woman, but some women that I've talked to about lingerie or when they say like, I don't need to wear that because I don't have a significant other. And I'm like, well, lingerie is really yeah. for you and how you yeah. feel because I remember actually the Rihanna's makeup artist, Priscilla Ono, she did mm -hmm. a line with Eloquy, which is a plus size fashion mm -hmm. brand. Now I was doing an event for them at the store that they used to have at Pentagon City Mall. And mm -hmm. I had on, it was very colorful, like chartreuse um, jumpsuit. And I wanted to give a little sexiness. And mm -hmm. I had on a Savage X, like bright blue bra under it, nice and lacy. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, see, that's what lingerie can be for. It is fashion, mm -hmm. it is a statement. You don't just mm -hmm. have to have it up under your clothes. And even if you do, you know how sexy you look under there. So that might in turn mm -hmm. help your mood. I, I am a big believer, unsurprisingly, uh, that lingerie is for the wearer, it's for the subject, it's not for you being an object. And I think the way we've been taught to think about lingerie, mm -hmm. um, in no small part to companies like Victoria's Secret, is that it is something for an observer. It is something that is meant to be consumed by an outside party, right. um, that you do not get to enjoy yourself in lingerie and one of the things that i want to do in addition i think kind of you know educating people about intimate apparel is also getting people to think about lingerie to think about intimates as something that they wear for themselves as something they indulge in for themselves as something that allows them to be who they are to experiment with who they are to explore mm -hmm. who they are um even if they can't do that with their outerwear you can kind of explore yourself with your intimate apparel Mm -hmm. um, the idea that you have to have a significant other before you can treat yourself, before you can indulge yourself, before you can wear beautiful things um, is something I dislike, to put it mildly. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think um, women are, are often told that we are supposed to deny ourselves pleasure, we are supposed to deny who we are. We are supposed to constantly live in service to others and not to ourselves. 
Um, and that is reflected, I think, in a lot of the conversations we have about lingerie. Um, and I don't, I don't think it has to be that way. Um, it can be a thing that is for you and for your own consumption. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think things like what you're talking about, where styling it as outerwear, wearing something that's beautiful, that's bright, that makes you feel good, is important for people mm -hmm. to hear. Because I, I also think a lot of people, I mean, we're talking about, you know, like spilling tea and people think about things differently. There are so many people who've never even thought about lingerie in that way. Um, like I've been talking about the industry for so long that certain things like that are kind of like automatic to me. I'm like, well, obviously like lingerie yeah. is for yourself. But for so many people, that is a brand new concept. Um, and I, I just want people, I just want people to feel comfortable exploring the industry and exploring what's out there. And I think that's something else that Savage X does, as you know, as we talk about them expanding the conversation about intimate apparel, right. they also create a space where people feel comfortable thinking about themselves in lingerie. They do. And that is very important. Yeah, I think that is like the most important takeaway from the brand. Like, I'm going to feel comfortable in this. I can be sexy in this in any way. I can add it to the fashion I'm wearing, like an outside. I can wear it under a see-through top mm -hmm. or with a blazer, or I can wear it at home. I want to, I kind of want to challenge my audience and your audience, you know, people who are just looking to learn about lingerie to actually use wearing, like, wearing lingerie for yourself as a part of self-care mm -hmm. you know like if you're, oh, well, and to keep in mind oh i'm sorry no go ahead go ahead go ahead oh um and to keep in mind that lingerie isn't just the sexy stuff because i also mm -hmm. think when people hear the name hear the word lingerie that's one of those words i can't like get rid of with my southern accent i'm always just like lingerie um, <laughs> but I, I i think when people hear the word lingerie they think it's only sexy stuff. They think it's only skimpy things. They think it's only lacy, strappy, what have you. Lingerie includes all the things. Lingerie includes loungewear, it includes everyday stuff, it includes sexy stuff, like it includes hosiery, like it, it includes all the things. Mm -hmm. um, and so exploring lingerie doesn't mean you have to start off with, you know, like the lacy thong teddy. Maybe you start off with a lovely satin robe. Mm -hmm. Maybe you start off with a camisole. Maybe you start off with a pajama set. All of that is lingerie. And if you are intimidated by kind of getting into this space, by trying things for yourself, that's an easy way to, to kind of dip a toe in and to get comfortable with and used to the idea of wearing something beautiful for you. And, and what I've often found in talking to my readers is that's a good first stepping stone Mm -hmm. And then that gets them thinking about all the other things they can wear. And that's a big reason just to kind of touch on my book for a second. Mm -hmm. um, the name of my book is an intimate detail, how to choose where I choose where I love lingerie. Um, that's a big reason there are no photos in my book. It's just watercolor paintings of the items because I want people to be able to look at the products to get familiar with, with what's out there and to not have the first thing that comes to mind being, oh, well, I'm not the size of the model. So mm -hmm. that means I can't wear it. Right. And so that that was a big motivator behind only having, apart from just liking watercolors, you think they're pretty, but also having just the illustration so that if you see an example of a teddy, you see an example of a corset, you see an example of a slip, your first, your immediate gut reaction is not going to be, well, I don't look like the model. And so mm. I can't. And I think that happens 
I mean, it happens subconsciously. I, I think you're not, you're not even aware of it necessarily when you see it. Um, right. Just the idea like, oh, I see the model. Well, do I look like her? Am I going to look like that? Will I look that good? Um, I, I mean, I think it's something that many of us do, whether we need to or not. Um, and so starting off with something, I think that's easier to, to wear, easier to see yourself in mm-hmm. is a good way. And then, and then, like, then work your way up to like the bright blue bra under your jumpsuit. <laughs> like, start, like, start easy. Start from where you're comfortable, right. and then get to where, to where you feel like you can push your boundaries a little bit more, or just stay with loungewear. Whatever works for you. Right. Um, but there are so many ways to access this space, um, and that's that's really exciting. And companies like Savage X, from offering so many products, also give people multiple ways to enter the space. Because you can, yeah. you don't have to start with something sexy. You can start with something that's more loungy and more comfortable. Yeah, definitely. Well, I have totally enjoyed this conversation and learned a lot more about oh, that good. <laughs> the industry. I mean, one of my dreams is always to have my own uh, line of lingerie with maybe a, a good brand. So if I ever do that, the brand comes to me. I'll have to come to you for advice. <laughs> Somebody else you might want to talk to, um, just kind of while we're still talking, is Asia Monet. I don't know if you've heard of her. I have heard the name. Yes, she is the fit model, basically like the fit model, plus size fit model, plus size full bus fit model for the intimate apparel industry. She also has her own lingerie line. Mm-hmm. But I think if you want to have another conversation about lingerie and intimate apparel, specifically from a, from a plus size person, from a plus size person who is incredibly familiar with that fit process and what goes into creating Mm -hmm. a good bra for for a fuller figure um she would be an amazing person i think to have on your show because chances are if you wear a plus size bra made by a company that's based in america it has probably been fit on asia monet oh i like she is she is a big deal like i'm not going to reveal her client list um on a podcast, but I will just say if you have bought a bra from a plus size brand that's based here, there is a very high possibility, probability, that she was the fit model for that bra. Now I do know a bit about fit modeling, so uh, mm-hmm. I can imagine that client list without you even saying yes. it. <laughs> Being a person that got to, you know, thinking about even having a podcast by being engrossed into the plus size fashion mm-hmm. industry. So, yeah, but I, I do have dreams. That, I mean, I probably have two, three drawers of lingerie <laughs> compared to my other clothes. I'll be like, oh, I actually need clothes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It was funny. I was just I was just getting something um, from Lane Bryant. My mom's like, what are you buying? I was like, oh, I need new bras and panties and I got a card. So... Because my mother and I shared the card. So I'm like, wow, get it. I'm using the card to buy some bras and pennies. She's like, you're not buying clothes? No. She was like, you spent over $100 on bras and pennies. Yeah, that's, that's what nothing. I did. That's, that's nothing. nothing. That's nothing. I'm like, that's, that's nothing. nothing. I can do that with my eyes closed. She's like, okay. But that's me. Oh, I need, oh, they're having a sale on panties. They have a sale on bras. Got them. Oh, don't let them. And you got them for you. Right. They were for you. They were for me. And I like the lacy stuff. I saw I, I do. I like the pretty stuff. But you know, seriously, like what you said, it's it's what you're comfortable with, but 
like you said, both of us are people who really love intimate apparel, love the lingerie, and mm-hmm. it's that before I need clothes. So <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's just me. So I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and just learning about the industry itself and how brands are thinking and how they need to rethink a lot of things and you know how savage fancy is setting a new bar in the industry um Mm -hmm. and thinking about people are noticing what they're doing yeah yeah and and they're regardless of what anyone thinks about their products the conversations they're creating both among consumers and within the industry are so important and so necessary yeah yeah so I'd like I, I I am now curious to see how this plays out in the next uh, few years. We may have to come back and have this conversation Same. again. Same. Yes. Yes. yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> and I am interested to see what you have coming up. We I won't say anything about our previous conversation, but <laughs> um, I can't wait to see. So. Um, audience expect uh cora back on the show i'll just say that much because (laughs) i enjoy her work so much this is the second time we've gotten to uh talk about her work and her perspective on the intimate apparel industry so um lastly can you tell my audience how they can follow you and know your work and where they can get your book in intimate detail Oh, of course. So um, the name the name of my site is The Lingerie Addict, uh, thelaundrieaddict.com. You can find me on Twitter at lingerie underscore addict, on Instagram at The Lingerie Addict. And I have a Facebook page um, also named Lingerie Addict, as well as a private group um, that does not have men in it. So you can talk about lingerie in, a, in what I call a safer space. Um, and the name of that is TLA Fans. You can also, is it TLA Fans? You can also find it through my page, though. Um, the the private lingerie addicts group. Uh, the name of my book is In Intimate Detail, How to Choose Where I Love Lingerie. Uh, it's sold from any bookseller. You might have to special order a copy, but it's also sold online, places like Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com. Um, there are also UK and Vietnamese versions. Um, I think also a Romanian edition, if you happen to live in one of those countries. Um, if you don't live in the States, you will probably need to buy the UK edition, just as a quick aside. And I also sell signed copies of my book. So if you would like a signature um, in your book, you can also go to my website and order a signed copy directly from me. All right. Well, thank you so much again for joining us for Tea Time with Monica and spilling all this lovely tea on Antonio <laughs> Farrell. Um, and thank you, audience, for listening to another episode of Tea Time with Monica. Bye, loves. Bye. You've been listening to Tea Time with Monica. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast medium. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And follow me on social media at Monica underscore the curvy diva, spelled M-O-N-I-C-A underscore T-H-E-K-U-R-V-Y-D-I-V-A and at Tea Time with Monica.